Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Can somebody just let me know if they can hear me okay? We can hear you. Oh, you can, can hear you. Thank you for that. I wasn't hearing the intro on my side, so I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Hi, everybody. How are you? Welcome to Agent Power Huddle. I don't know. Did Hello. we hear the intro or was it just me? What was that? Did we hear the intro or did or did we not hear that? Oh, yeah. Was I didn't hear the, the intro. <laughs> I heard the music. I didn't hear anything. Okay, so it must have been something weird on my side. I was like, what is going on? I don't hear anything. I don't know when to start. <laughs> all right. Good. All right. It's all good. All right. Well, welcome to Agent Power Huddle. We are finished. I'm Amy Izzo. We are finishing up. This is week three of our listing process. I don't know how many of you were here with us the last couple of weeks. But I'll do a little recap. And then we're going to jump into some objections. Seller object things that happen, objections that happen during the listing process. So I'm gonna grab my little I'm gonna grab my little checklist that we gave out. And if um we'll make sure it gets posted again with each of these episodes if you all don't have it handy. But you should see hopefully my screen listing process. Everybody see that? Someone give me a yes or a thumbs up if you can turn your camera on or. Sometimes I can see it. Beautiful. Okay. So very good. Thank you for that. I appreciate the participation. It is helpful. Okay. So the last two weeks we went over a listing process from the time we get an online lead, right? Just someone that we don't know that reaches out to us and we want to turn that into a listing appointment. So we talked about before the consult, getting them onto a virtual consult if we can't initially to get the, to get in the door of the home, right? So we talked through all of that. Um, and then we talked through um, the follow-up, sending video follow-up, sending hand-delivering CMA packages, um, putting them in HomeBot. Hopefully we're using HomeBot, putting them in HomeBot to make sure that they're getting um, that personalized HomeBot website. So that they receive their valuation, you can tweak it in there, but also so they get that on a regular basis and they have the fun financial tools that HomeBot gets them, gives them so they can go in there and play around. The other cool thing I noticed um, when I put all of my potential leads, anybody have an address in an email for, I put into HomeBot. And one thing that I noticed is people go in and not only play with the tools, like they'll say, oh no, that's not what I owe in my house. And they'll change the mortgage that they owe or they'll model refinances. Um, they'll model home equity loans. So you can kind of see what they're doing because HomeBot will tell you what they're doing, but they'll add their additional properties. So if they have more than one property, I've had this happen on multiple occasions where I, I'll go in, I'll get a notification from HomeBot that someone has made a change to their site. And then I'll, you just click on the link and you I go into HomeBot and look at their record and I'll see all of a sudden, instead of them having one tab with one property, they'll have multiple properties. And I'm like, ah, very good. And then they start getting valuations on multiple properties as well. So um, putting them on HomeBot, 
Um, and then getting the actual appointment, going in, bringing the CMA, running the appointment, bringing in that sheet, all your disclosures. So treating these meetings like a listing appointment, even if they're not saying, oh, come list me, I want to list today, being prepared to sign the day that you're there, um, having a seller's questionnaire, just bringing them some tools so that you can add value back to the um, to the potential seller. Um, we talked through the whole appointment, right? Building your rapport. I talked about Ford, family, occupation, recreation, dreams, finding a way to build rapport and connect with them. Um, asking them, you know, questions so you can understand where are they going? What's the dream? Why are they selling? Um, just really getting to learn the how. So just building all, doing all the rapport things. Where we left off was, um, you know, after the tour, sitting down with our sellers and discussing the listing process with them. So, you know, once I go in and I have them take me through the property um, and we've built some rapport and we've been talking, now we've had, you know, now we've had, they've come in as a lead, they've gotten emails from me, they've gotten text messages from me, they've gotten videos from me, they've talked to me on the phone at least once. Um, and now I'm at the house, right? Now I'm at the house. So I've toured the house, they've told me about the house. Um, I've asked questions. We've built more rapport. Now it's really starting to sit down and get to business. So what are the things that they want to know almost immediately when you sit down? How much am I going to make, right? How much money am I going to make? Net sheet. That's what they want to know. And all of that comes from price. What can I sell it for, right? What can I sell this house for? And how did you get there? And do I believe you? And then why do you say what you say about my the price of my home? So Typically, when I sit down with them right away, I'll, I usually ask them if they have any questions for me um, that they want to make sure that we get answered right away. And tip that way they get to go first. I get to lead, but they get to go first. And then I kind of get an idea of where their head is after we've had all this communication and then we've just had this time in their home, walking around their home. Usually, in most cases, they're like... How much is going to sell for? That's usually the number one thing that they want to know is what they're going to be able to sell the home for. Um, and so I jump right into comps and CMA with them and show them. I always bring two things with me. I bring a low and a high because I haven't seen the property. I've heard what they feel their condition is. And how someone communicates their condition, I find is always different, right? So mo many people tell me that they have pristine condition, beautiful condition. I get there and all the carpet is shot and it needs new carpet. And so they're, they're, they really just think that they have their stuff is better, right? <laughs> than others, or they're looking at other things and they're overlooking the carpet, right? I was in a property yesterday, beautiful property, filthy. I mean, Filthy. I don't know if they have cleaned in years, not months, not days, years. But to them, this is normal. They had granite. They have hardwood. They have nice carpet. Needs to be cleaned. <laughs> they have nice carpet. That's what they're looking at. So they had communicated to me how beautiful their home is. And um, what all the amenities of the home were. And I get there and it's like, it needs a deep clean. Wash the walls down, clean all the vents, like caked up dust on the vents like this. So, you know, I always bring with me a high and a low um, valuation. And then I set what I call their sweet spot. So where I would recommend that they list the property based on what I saw when I arrived, right? Based on condition and also based on what the market is doing. 
when I talk to them about comps, I don't ever talk to them about my opinion. I always talk to them about what the market says. The market, here's what's happening in the market. Let me show you what your neighbors are selling for. Let me show you what's going on within a few mile radius. Let me show you the comps. Let me show you what the market is doing. Let me talk to you about what the what how the buyers are shopping currently in this market. And that allows me then to say to them, hey, before I came, um, you they already got a copy of my CMA, remember? So before I came, I gave you a range, right? High to low, really based on what I was going to see when I arrived, what amenities you have, what the condition of the property is. I'm very transparent up front with them. I'm here to look at condition. So I'm telling them that when we're sitting down. And then I say, based on all of these comps and based on the condition, here's where I think we can list the property. Um, that's the only time they really get my opinion. Um, but it's based on what the market says. Now, my gentleman yesterday, I told him, I said, if we get this house deep cleaned, you know, which honestly is probably, it's a big house. It's probably a couple thousand dollar investment. And I, I detailed out for them what deep clean is. You know, so that's a gentle conversation, but you have to have it. That's why you're there. If we deep clean, and I said, I mean, take all the vents off the wall and clean them, wash the walls down. It was that bad. Let's return the stainless steel appliances to their stainless steel color, right? Let's get the caked off grease and dirt off of them. If we return this to that condition through a deep cleaning, that here's where you can list. But if you're going to try to do it like this, you're going to have a hard time. So um, so that's how I talk through price with them. Uh, obviously, I answer their questions that they have um, relative to price. I rarely, when we talk price and we're going through comms, I get them to tell me what price that they want to list it at. And I already have the net sheet prepared, but I also have a blank one with me. So if we decide any different price that I had pre-prepared on the net sheet, then I will do one really quickly right there with them. So I have no problem doing that right there with them. Um, and I'll just say, give me a couple of minutes. Let me do some math since we increased or decreased your price or since we made those decisions, I just want to update your net. Um, and I walk them through the net sheet right away. So you want to sell for 285, you want to sell for 400. Okay, let's walk through the net sheet. Here's your profit. Now they've gotten the two things that most of the time they want to know. How, what can I sell it for? And what am I going to walk away with, right? I rarely get a commission objection because I feel because we, the way that we walk through it. So do I ever get them? Yes, I do get commission objections, but it's pretty rare. They'll usually ask for clarification because the commission tends to be a pretty hefty number on that list compared to title services fees and attorney fees and some of the other things. Um, so a lot of times they'll ask about how I calculated that with the breakdown as I put the percentage right on it. Um, I've, now that is negotiable, right? All commissions are negotiable, but I put in what I want, right? So when I do their net sheet, I put in what I want, what, I, what I'm looking for, I'm ready to explain it. Most of the time I do have to explain to them commission, how it's split between myself and the cooperating agent. Um, even if they're experienced seller, I have to remind them and go through that with them. Um, and then if there's going to be an objection, uh, it's here. This And I love getting it done up front. This is where the objection is going to happen. I do have a commission matrix. So if we have a conversation and they say, 
Well, I'll tell you the truth. When they say, can you lower your commission? So when I get one and they go, oh, could you lower that commission? I say, no, <laughs> the first time, always. I And that's this is just me. The first time I always say, no, I cannot lower my commission. So, um, and then I say, do you have any other questions before we start the paperwork? <laughs> Every time. Sometimes. They're, they go, okay, and they move on in the process. Sometimes they'll say, well, let's talk about that, right? If they want to talk more about it, then we do. I'll listen. First, the first thing I do is just listen, right? I listen to what they would like to see or what their objection is. And then I'll address it appropriately. Usually, though, I'll pull out my commission matrix and I'll say, well, you know, here's what we can do. You can pick your commission tied to the service level you'd like to receive. And so then on my commission matrix and you set up your percentages any way you want. Right. So let's use an example because we don't we don't dictate commissions. We negotiate them. Right. So let's just use an example where I might have a commission matrix that says, Four and a half, five and a half, six and a half percent, right? So that's what I would have at the top. And then the services that they get under each of those levels. And then I'll say to them, okay, this is what I've calculated in, which is the, the highest level, the best, like the platinum. Our platinum service, here's everything that's included. Here's all of the things that we do. So for that service, if you'd like to downgrade and give some amenities up, some services up, here's here are your options. So they have a good, better, best option, if you will. I've built in the best option because I want them all to have the best option. Now, typically what happens at, in this case, they'll either stay with the option I've calculated in because they, they really want all those services, or most of the time, they'll pick the middle. They'll pick the middle one. I rarely have anyone pick the lowest option just because it's a fear of missing out. They see the services that we provide um, and I just treat it like I'm any other service provider. So they see the services I provide. This is what I charge to provide those services. And by the way, I have to split that with the other side. So remember that, you know, I'm providing less services because it is really, a, it, it's a reduced payment for my time. So that's why I'm providing less services. And, you know, and so I remind them of that. And then they pick, they pick their commission. The matrix works really well for me. When I started doing it um, many years ago, and I started doing it, uh, it was because I had a hard time uh, valuing myself in the appointment and talking about commission. So when someone would bring up commission in my head, I would go, oh, I don't want to have this conversation. And I just, I found myself reducing more than I really wanted to, and then being mad about it during the transaction. Of course, no one knew that, but me, and I'm not taking it out on my clients, but I got better at addressing it up front, talking about it. And then I find that giving the client choices, putting them in the driver's seat, really works well because in most cases, um, they're not getting choices. They feel like the number is being dictated to them. And of course it is negotiable, but that depends on the that the, the party that you're talking to and how comfortable they are saying to you, I'd like to pay this, or I'd like to pay that, um, how much they really understand it or want to understand it. So the matrix I feel like is very transparent. Here are the services here are the commissions. Here's how they're split with the cooperating agent. Let me remind you, there will be a cooperating agent. And 
Let's just talk through it and let them choose, put them in the driver's seat. That And it also makes me super comfortable, <laughs> makes me super comfortable. And I look very professional. I'm prepared with um, all of the details that they might need. We can talk through it without, without issue. Um, okay, so then I go right into the paperwork. Right. So once they're satisfied with the net sheet, if we, we either have had a commission of conversation or we have not, I go right into the paperwork. I'm, I say, I always say, are there any are there, are there any other questions before we start the paperwork? And then I pull the paperwork out and I get it started. Now, this is sometimes where I go. They go, I don't want to list today. And I'm like, OK, great. Let's put a plan together and we'll put that date in this paperwork. I never call it a contract, by the way, or an agreement. I always just say the paperwork. Um, I just find it keeps the defenses down a little bit. Nobody wants to really, it's a contract, but nobody wants to sign a contract. Um, so, and especially if they're going to list later, I have had listings signed five, six, seven, eight months before the listing date. I like to do the paperwork on the appointment if I can. Now, that doesn't always happen. I went to one yesterday. We didn't do the paperwork. His wife was not feeling well. Um, she's convalescing from surgery. Um, it just wasn't a good time. They wanted He wanted to be able to talk to her about it when she was feeling a little bit better. She had to, to do a nap during our appointment. So it didn't work out. So I just said, I'm going to leave you a copy of everything. And I have a follow-up appointment with them to get all the paperwork done. So that's fine. So it doesn't, I don't always get the paperwork done, you know, one shot appointment. I love to, and that's always my goal. And that's how I treat it. So I just do the same process every time. What typically happens is they either will do the paperwork with me now or for a now date, or we'll do a paperwork for a future date. Um, yes. I can share my list of services menu. I will make sure that we get that over and that gets attached to um, to this um, to this podcast when it goes out. Now, um, and then take it and make it your own, right? Take it and make it your own. I think I'll have to remove the commission amounts from it. Um, so I'll do that. And then because commissions are negotiable and then you all can, you know, make your own up the, with the, your three levels of commissions, right? Good, better, best. I think I have gold, silver, platinum. That's how I word it. Gold, silver, platinum. Um, and then look at the list of services. Don't just copy mine because uh, I may provide drone photography on my platinum service and you may not want to do that. Right. Um, so, I, you know, really look at that list of services and decide, okay, what are my platinum services? This is just an example of what I do. You take it and make it better. You take it and enhance it for your business and what works for you. Um, and I've changed it over the years. So as I have learned to do other things or decided that I liked to do certain things or didn't like to do certain things, I've adjusted the matrix. Um, okay. So, so get the paperwork done if you can, um, even for a future date. I had one in March that didn't list till July and we did the paperwork in March. That's what I want to say. Psychologically, I just feel like it gets them married to us, right? And it gets them in my follow-up cycle, right? They have a contract with me. It gets them in my follow-up cycle. Um, I leave them, if it's a future date, I leave them with a to-do list, right? Okay, here are the things you're going to be doing. I let them know where I can help them. So, uh, you know, I keep a list of all of my contractors that I have relationships with or 
uh, high vac people, cleaning people, so that if they need uh, help with cleaning or they need um, the high vac service, you know, something like that, and that's on their checklist, my to do is to get them a referral to someone that I know, like, and trust, and that my clients have been happy with, and then let them decide who they want to work with and get those items done. And so my follow-up process is just following up with them on, have you had the cleaning done? How did it go when you reached out to the high back person? What is it? What else can I help you with? Have you noticed anything else you wanted to do? What have any new questions come up? So that's my follow-up and I'll follow up until it's time to list. Um, when we, if we're signing the paperwork for a future date, I give them their to-do list, but I also leave them a little timeline. So even if it's down the road, I open up the calendar and I say, okay, let's set a goal. Let's set a photography goal. We're going to be photo ready by what date? And I jot that date down for them and for me. So this also becomes my next follow-up when I leave my next follow-up email to them, but I write it all down. I just take a blank piece of paper out and I write it all down. Um, for them. So here are your to-dos. Here are my to-dos so they know what I'm committed to. And here's your photography ready date. And like, here you go, hang it on the fridge. So, so you have it handy. Um, and this is what I'll be following up with you on. Let me know if anything else comes up and I can help. And then we do all the paperwork. Um, objections. One thing I like to say about objections is that there's questions you haven't answered because either you didn't know that they had that question um, or because something else, they thought of something else during talking to you and listening to you, they thought of something else, or they misunderstood something you said, right? So when they, so when they have an objection, like, I don't want to list right now. Oh, great. Tell me more about that. When, and just listen, when would you like to list? Why are you thinking now is not the time? So, all right, let's, let me help you build the timeline just based on what they're saying to me. Sometimes it's um, often with sellers, they haven't done the financials on the move yet. So this is my favorite thing to do, everyone. I on the if you so if you haven't done it on the phone prior and you're at the house and their their objection is around, well, I haven't list, I I haven't, I don't know how much I can spend on the new one. I don't know if I can buy contingent or non-contingent, right? We're having those conversations, especially if they're they're staying, well, wherever they're going, if they're staying local, they're moving, um, whether they're working with me or not, we want them to have the financials. So I'll always say to them, have you done the financials around the na- the move where you're going next? You know, do you know your budget? You know, and, th- and if they say yes, I say, how do you know? Don't assume if they say, yes, I'm going to buy at $350,000. do not assume they did a pre-approval and that's how they know. So sometimes that's just a number that they think they can buy at. I had a, a lead come through and when I met with them, they thought they were buying at $350,000. They bought at six and a quarter. Six and a quarter. So it was a whole nother thing when we got into the real financials. Um, and this is where I can hook in my lender. If I can get them to have that conversation with me before the appointment, I'll even bring a loan officer with me to the appointment. And I let them know when I come out to tour the home, I'm bringing my financial person with so we can give you the whole financial picture, what the property will sell for, what your profit will be and what that next move budget looks like. Right? We can really accomplish all of that in one appointment. It takes a little bit longer, but man, you leave there with a listing. Um, they have all the financials. This helps them make decisions. Or 
Honestly, sometimes, not that often, but sometimes they learn that they should wait and you learn that they should wait too. And here, here's the thing. Your best client is one that you didn't sell anything to right now because it wasn't right for them. They will stay with you as long as you communicate and follow up with them. They will appreciate you because you help them make the right decision for them. They will refer people to you. I have people that never did business with me that refer a ton of people to me because I'm the one that told them not to do it. You know, this is not a good time. So, you know, if you're, and I believe when we're going out, that's what we're there for, right? We're there to do the right thing for the client. So sometimes you do learn that selling isn't the right thing for them, when, especially when you do all the financials with them. But I love to... I love to leave there with a clear picture of what they need to do and not still have open items. Um, personally, it's my preference. I don't like to list a property when they're moving and they're purchasing until they have um, figured out the financials on the other side. So um, I want them to know what they're pre-approved for. I want them to feel good about it. And we want to know when they sell, do they have a place to go or how do we need to list it You know, so that they um, have time to move and if do they need to move that equity from their home to the new place and or do they want to even if they don't need to so um so all of those types of objections i i hate to call them objections i just feel like they're questions <laughs> they're just questions um so other things leaving the contract i already talked about leaving leaving with the contract signed no matter what even if it's for a future date um leaving them with the next steps checklist that you write out right there um I always leave them the copy of my CMA. Um, and then I just tell them that my office is going to get them a copy of the listing package within one business day. Um, because what will happen is I'll bring all the paperwork back. Everyone will get all the signatures we need to get. So in my state, we have to get all of our managing broker signatures. And then we get them back a clean copy of everything that they signed. Um, I already told you I set up the photography appointment um, with with them. <laughs> and then once I have confirmed it with the photographer, I let them know. So if it's a you know listing in the next 30 days, it's going to be a right away item. And if not, it's going to be a later item. I do bring a lockbox with me and I do ask for a key. Now, if it's too far out, I don't lockbox the house. But if we're within three, two or three weeks, I'll lockbox and key it while I'm there. So I'll put the key in the lockbox in it while I'm there. Um, so that that's all already set up. If it's a long time, then we'll, I'll return to the property to do that. Um, just because I'm trying to be as efficient as I can while I'm there. And again, I want to set in with them that we're listing the property. Um, the, and I would just say too, the more confident you are, the less likely you are to leave with the listing. Um, and that's really... That, that's really, I think, the key to all of this. So whether you're very seasoned and you're like... Yeah, that's what I do, but I do these other things too. Or maybe you got something today that helped you. Or whether you're new at, at listing properties, the more confident you are um, and honest and transparent. I go into properties and sometimes there's information I don't have um, for, because I learned something new. You know, we had a property that um, was built in 1890 and the county didn't even know the house existed. There's no records. So I just had to literally go there and say, and they knew when I caught, I'm like, I can't find anything on this. So I'm just here to see it. I know the area. I'm just here to see it. So I know how to compare it. And I did my CMA with them right there because I wouldn't have known how to compare it. He didn't, this, this gentleman didn't even know how many square feet he had. Didn't know anything. So I didn't know what I was going to see until I went to see it. 
now the county knows there's a house <laughs> there. So it, you know, you just never know. So I'm just confident and honest and transparent and we work through it together. Um, quick thing, after the listing appointment, I do a next step listing video, just recapping what I wrote down for them, what we already talked about. Um, if it's a now listing, I confirm that photography appointment with them within 24 hours. Um, I have a little checklist that they get, how to get ready. And sometimes your photographers will give you these, how to get ready for photos. Um, they get their signed paperwork. And then I know this might seem silly, guys. I update the CRM record, right? So get into your CRM. If you're not using it, use it and update the record with any information you collected um, in on this listing appointment that you think it'd be important for you to remember later. We are not going to remember any everything about every appointment that we go on, especially as our volume grows and grows and grows. We just are not the things we think we're going to remember. We're not. So I love to be able to go back to my CRM, back to the record um, and look and see, okay, so-and-so's property. Here are some things that I felt it was important to note. So I can remind myself as I'm working with them through the process or even later. Um, if I'm coordinating staging or cleaning for them, which I will do for them, um, I will, I'll confirm those details as well. Um, I don't do that for everyone. It just depends. I would say for me, that's a judgment call. If it's someone that needs some help, I'll do it. Or if they ask for some help, I'll do it. I try to have the seller coordinate their own cleaning. Um, but sometimes it makes sense to stage. We don't stage everything here, here where I'm at in the Midwest, but sometimes it does make some stuff, some, some sense to stage. Um, biggest thing is just positioning yourself as their trusted advisor and just guide them through the whole process, the whole transaction. Um, and staying in touch with them. So the last thing I'll say as I wrap up is my follow-up process with sellers is especially once we are on the market is once a week. So every, for me, this is just what works for me. Every Tuesday, I don't like to do this kind of stuff on a Monday. So every Tuesday, I call all of my sellers. Every Wednesday, I call all of my buyers that are under contract, right? So I have a listing with them or their listing is under contract or if they're a buyer, I call them um, if they're under contract or if they're in the pipeline, right? So we're pre-approved and we're looking, I call them all. Sellers are on Tuesday, buyers are on Wednesdays to check in, to see how things are going, to make sure they're okay, to give them any updates that I have or to tell them there are no updates, right? To make recommendations on next actions. And I tell them that on the listing appointment, or on the first set of showing. So once a week, they hear from me, no matter what, even the listing sitting over here on my board that is never selling because we are so overpriced and they will not listen to me. I've been calling her for three months, once a week to say the same thing <laughs> to her every week. This She's just stuck and this is what she wants to do, but she's not mad at me because I call her every week and I've been honest with her from the beginning, right? So... I hope this was great. I hope that you guys um, got some value from it and have a great day. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.